Welcome to the Cardo Martin podcast, Building Surveying for Professionals, giving you a detailed and technical view of the world of building surveying. In this episode, we're going to have a chat with Adiri Otoji, Chartered Surveyor at Cardo Martin. Now, this is our third podcast in 2020 AC, that's after COVID-19. Things have changed to the way we live and the way we work. Despite the clear facts that a paradigm shift has occurred, our buildings still need pair and preventative maintenance. Leaks still need to be fixed, and human being remains at the heart of our built environment. Keep safe and best wishes to you, your family and community from all at Cardo Martin, as you join us once again for a journey through time and materials, as we uncover more secrets of the APC. In this episode, we've, we're actually pleased to have Adiri Toji back on the show. Now, welcome again, Adiri. Hi, James. Hi. Well, it's good to have you back on. It has been a while, and we're not ruining the first question. In fact, you were a guest on the very <laughs> first podcast we did, and that was way back last year. Um, so, yeah. uh, flush and past. And um, yeah. hopefully, people will uh, enjoy this one more than they did the last one. Although, I think actually, you got some yeah, very good feedback so. from various people about the last one, didn't you? Yes. We got listeners from around the country who kind of let you know that you've done a good job. Yeah, there was someone. Um... Someone that worked at House of Commons as a project manager messaged me on LinkedIn saying he really enjoyed my podcast. And I said, wow, amazing. He said, I should keep it up. So here I am again. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's great. And I think we've got quite an interesting topic that's going to be relevant, maybe less so for this year, depending on how things turn out, but certainly for whenever the next sitting is. First question then. Remind us, when did you sit your APC? Uh, I submitted my documents i believe in november 2018 and then i set my interview in june 2019 i think that's correct but i did sit my interview in june 2019 okay yes yeah, so hence by the time we spoke on the podcast back in july last year you were already chartered yes yes thankfully <laughs> has, has it been worth it being chartered what's the kind of um i don't know if we've got questions later on that but uh has it been that <laughs> um, different feel the same it, it hasn't it hasn't been that different I had loads of people asking me how does it feel and it just feels good to know that it's done like I have to remind myself oh gosh you're chartered like wow like it's out of the way now and I just put it on my like the end of my um, letters and emails but in terms of you do feel a bit more confident in that you actually did manage to get through that you are now a professional that is recognized in the world so you do feel good but I'm I'm still yep. doing the work. I think you do get more recognition and that people like to see that they are working with a professional. So it, it, overall, it feels good. It's a confidence booster. Now, in the last podcast, you talked a little bit about how you love travel and going to different places. Did you treat yourself to a nice holiday after you got chartered for that summer? Yes, I, I went to Venice. I went to um, Malta. I went to Madrid. And then I had the whole of December in Nigeria. So I think I overtreated myself. But being that we're in COVID-19 now, <laughs> I yeah, think that I was think the right decision. It was decision. a good decision. It wasn't. Yeah. You, if you, anyone pining to stay at home has got their wish, I think, at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So go back to the assessment itself. Then. So where did you sit your assessment? Did you consider other locations? Mine was at the Park Inn Hotel in Heathrow. That was my first choice because I'm in London. So that's ideal. I also considered the next closest location. I can't remember exactly what it was, but you have to choose another location when you fill out your form online. So it says, what's your first option? So you obviously pick the location closest to your house. And then if you don't get that as a first option, what would be your second option? I probably picked like 
Cardiff or something, or maybe I can't remember, but the later you leave it, the less options you had because I had a friend who left his quite late and he had to do it in Leeds. So it's best to get in there early and pick wherever you live. Do they cover your transport there or has your, did your friend have to pay for his train or car to get out there? I believe he paid. I'm not sure if he claimed it back, but he did pay to get out okay, there. Okay, so that's probably another good lesson then. So if you're, um, yeah. you're going to have to pay for your mistake if you don't get in there early. So that's yeah. good advice. Are all yeah. these APCs sat um, in like a hotel, like a, a random out of town airport hotel type situation or do they have other type centers do you know i believe so i believe it's in the hotel because even when i've spoken to surveyors that have been chartered for years in london they sat at the same place it's always been in a hotel i had advice a few years ago from a surveyor another charter surveyor and he said the greatest advice he had was that you stay the night before in the hotel so that in the morning you're not rushing to get over on the train commuting stressing sweating so he stayed the night before I didn't take that advice because mine was about 11 o'clock so I just left myself enough time but that's also um if you're quite a person if you're a person that gets quite stressed having that extra time to already be at the location is also ideal because you can never be late then you're already there well, and the other advantage of that is is that you're not going to get caught up in any travel issues. So if, say if you left exactly. yourself two hours to get from central London out to Heathrow, you may be cutting it fine yeah. and then you get lost and all the other things. So, yeah, excellent. Yeah. So what are the other top five things you did to prepare in the weeks leading up to the assessment? Uh, there are a number of things. The top five, I would say that I will, I've always told everyone to do, is read your submission document like memorize them inside out because they're going to question you on this document so if you submitted something and you don't know what you submitted you're, you're gonna you're gonna mess up in the question so i read over my submission at least five times i knew exactly the projects that were in there i knew i had spoken about i highlighted various projects that's my second point i highlighted various projects that would be an easy target for interviewers to question me on and i made sure i knew it inside out um i also read recent modus publication that you usually get that in the post. I still get that now. I think all surveyors, if they're registered with the RITS, will get a Modus magazine, I think every month or so. And I made sure to read the last few that I had so that if I get any questions about what's going on recently in the industry, I would be able to answer that. And I did get a question on that, luckily. And I would also advise that you review any recent changes in the legislation or read up on any major event in the industry. So at the time, I made sure to read up on Grenfell Tower. I read the articles that had been published. I read so many things online just because that was such a hot topic. If that comes up, I want to make sure that I have an answer to it. And then lastly is mock interviews. I cannot stress how important it is to do a mock interview. And those five were key to me actually passing, I think. So going back to the Modus thing, was the article like one of the really big ones? Because they, they have the feature articles in Modus. And then they have the various sort of shorter or monthly articles going through the back of the magazine. Do you remember what it was and how prominent it was? I can't exactly remember what I read, but when they did ask me this question about, oh, have I read any recent publications that have been issued? I had mentioned something about energy performance or something about sustainability. I had memorised it, to be honest, just for that interview. <laughs> so I can't remember exactly what it was now. And I know they often put in the key topics or interesting news within there. You also have a section there where it talks about recent questions or some APC panellists or candidates or put in a few comments in there as well which is quite helpful to read. Lovely so going back to then the mock interviews you obviously mentioned that 
these were handy. So I'm guessing you did actually do some. Were they helpful and how did they go? How much prep time did you have to put in? Oh, most definitely. I think I would say that's number one on your list of how to prepare for your interview. I had about two or three interviews. And if they're handled correctly, you if you're able to have your colleagues or somebody in your company do them, if they're handled correctly, it does feel like an actual RICS interview. So it's like reliving it beforehand. Um, you have a feel of how the interviews will question you. You're able to practice how to answer because it's very, very important that you answer the question correctly to level one, two and three. You don't just want to do it to level one. You want to make sure you're hitting level three. So if you've practiced beforehand, you know the kind of words you need to say to make sure you're getting to that level three. And you also get to work on your timing and your presenting skills because part of your interview is to present. So if you're able to make sure you're doing it within the 10 minutes, that's perfect. And then you also want to become familiar with eye contact and having to be confident in front of the panel. Because when you do sit your APC, you want to make sure you're looking at the, the panelists. You're keeping eye contact. You're explaining yourself well. And if you just walk in there blindly, I mean, all the best. But if you have the ability to have interviews, they are so, so helpful. I knew what I was getting myself into on that day because I had done so before. So it's extremely helpful. How closely to the actual day did you have these interviews? Did you space them out or was it kind of like, okay, we'll just block them in for the first, we'll have one at six months run up and then the rest like within two weeks of the actual event? So you get your date, I think three weeks, I should look to my calendar, but I think you get the date of your interview three weeks before the actual day, if not even two, maybe three. But you don't have much time. So as soon as I had known I would pass, I had passed my submission date. Then I would, I got my interview date. I told my colleague and then we set in date. So we did the first one maybe a week after that. And that was very raw. I had no idea. And if you go into your APC without doing it, you might feel how I felt on the first time. And on my first interview, they had said they wouldn't have passed me. That was my first go. But knowing the... um when I got the feedback from that first interview, I was able to make sure I worked on it for my second interview. And then in the last week of my um, APC interview, I didn't do one just because my mind, I, I thought I was going to explode. <laughs> so I left myself a week just to continue to read over my submissions. But I would say as soon as you get a date, lock in your diary at least two days, two different dates where you can have an interview. Do one just as you are, just so you get the feel of it and then really prepare yourself for the second one. So that's good advice. So essentially what you're saying is, is that even if you're not exactly sure when you're going to be running on the APC, book in everything in advance, stage it up, organize yourself, yeah. and um, you can take full advantage of what is essentially the, the most important thing you can do, the mock interview. Yeah. What would you suggest to any candidates who are struggling to arrange or don't want to do any mock interviews? If you're struggling to arrange it, maybe because you don't have the facilities or there are people that can't act as interviewers on the day, then that would be unfortunate. But I would just refer to the other points, which is a read your submission. Maybe do question and answer with a friend or family. It doesn't have to be set up how mine was set up as a proper interview. But try and do Q&A with a friend. Just write out some questions that you think they would ask you. Get somebody to look over your documents and see what they would ask you and just get somebody to help you. If people don't want to do mock interviews, I would urge them to do at least two interviews. Otherwise, the actual interview date will be a massive shock. There's little things you pick up that they'll tell you in a mock interview, such as knock on the door, shake their hand, look into their eye, introduce yourself. And if you're not told any of that and you just walk in to the interview room as if you're going into a shop, <laughs> it's going to be a massive shock. Yeah, I can imagine it's <laughs> it's that sudden surge. Just your tummy goes a bit, oh, and yeah. uh, then tunnel vision arrives. 
Um, do you think the, um, I remember this from our first conversation, first podcast, you had quite a lot of help from people within the business. How yeah. important do you think it was to have good people who are leading you through this? And do you think if it's, the, it's not everyone's going to be, if you've got accommodating team members who are going to be with you, how much effort should people put in to go out and hunt people down, so to speak, and to make sure they get the good quality mock interview? I would say put in 100% effort to get someone to do it for you. Unfortunately, if you don't have, I wouldn't have been able to do it without my team. So if I had gone in there, left to my own devices, left just my revision, I, I don't think I would have passed. But because I had so much support, that's the reason I think I passed, because of the support, not because I was good or because my submission was good. I just think I was well paired and I had the support of my team that were telling me, you're going to do fine, it's going to be good. So you go in there feeling like, okay, I've done this now with my with my team. They think it was okay. Hopefully, if I just do the same thing, the panelists might think I'm good and pass me. If you don't have the support in your workplace, then I would say definitely hunt for other people that would do it. If you have a look on LinkedIn, I see people often putting up posts saying, can I get some help my APC? And I think most people are likely to help because they know how difficult it is. I don't think anyone forgets the APC process. So I think most people will want to help other people to become a chartered surveyor. Um, I don't see why not. So I would say hunt, look into other companies. Some other companies will help you put a post out on LinkedIn, put a post out on Twitter and just try and reach out to somebody he was able to do that for you. And I think you'll be, I think you might be lucky. Okay, that's great advice again. Thank you. Tell us about what resources you use to prepare and revise for. And, and maybe if you remember the timeline it took, adopted for revision, that could be helpful too. So my, my review track was quite um, traditional. I just read over my documents with a notebook and a highlighter. Anything that popped out to me that I either forgot about or didn't know, didn't have that much knowledge on, I would go and do a full-blown revision. So if I had mentioned concrete defects in my submission, I wanted to know everything about every type of concrete defect, just in case, because that's a building pathology question. If that comes up, I want to be able to answer it to the best of my ability. So I would go through my submission, as I've said, highlight any key points that would be an easy target for the interviewers to question me on, make up some questions in my head, try and put yourself in the shoes of the interviewer and say, okay, what would I ask somebody if I read this? What would be my first question? Work like that, answer the questions, write it out. And I also made revision cards on the, competen the, on the competencies that I had so I could read them before bed or I'm quite a morning person. So anything I take in first thing in the morning, I'm likely to remember it. I would also read my revision cards on the train. And I also had revision cards for my presentation. So even though I had, you're allowed to take notes in for your presentation, because I'd read it so much, I knew exactly what I was saying for every single slide because I was constantly putting it into my brain. That was what helped me because I'm quite traditional in terms of just, I want to read, I want to write, note things down. If you're someone that worked with, um, that works well with like voice recording or audio, things like that. One of my bosses, my chairman, he had said you could record yourself doing it and then listen to it every day and just listen to it back to yourself so you can see, okay, this is the question, this is the answer. You have to find what style works for you. This My style was to read over things, was to do things in the morning, was to have a vision card, constantly pump it into my brain till it's stuck. I have exactly the same thing. I, all my revision has always been done by constant refining. 
and uh, yeah. unless it's rammed in there really really firmly it's never going to stick e- even to the degree of one minute for an exam i've still got, got my notes down to the smallest piece of paper I can write, <laughs> and then go drop it all on the notes but that's a nice suggestion yeah. by graham about the the audio because you could easily if you listen to a podcast you're obviously like your audio and you can learn from listening and um and then it's relatively easy these days to have recording devices on your phone so yeah. you could record it all and then just constantly run it in cycle yeah. yeah. Or if it's anything like that Friends episode, where is it Jerry or Chandler listening to the self-help tapes? Uh, whichever <laughs> yeah. one that was. And, and he's, he's to, it's in his brain, so it clearly yeah. works if it's on television. Yeah. Okay, so thinking about the assessment itself, how did the actual day work? When you get to the hotel, you sign in, there's lots of other candidates. You're put into a meeting room with several other people and you have a number on a card. And whilst you're in the meeting room, you're given further instructions. So somebody else will come in and say, okay, if I call this number, this group come out with me, I'll take you to the room. They'll tell you, look for the screen that has your name on or the number of the room, stand outside the room, and then you knock. You wait to be invited in. Then you open the door, shake their hand. They'll probably offer you a glass of water or so. Then you'll take your seat. Chairman will run through the interview process, which you'll know if you've had a mock interview. You'll hand out the material for your presentation, if you have any, and then you would start. But the instructions you get in the meeting room are very concise. So they'll tell you, this is where you're going to go. Knock on the door, wait to be invited in, go in, shake hands, have a glass of water, sit down and all the best. It's quite it's quite straightforward, and I would say obviously get there early. <laughs> Don't ever try and get there just in time. Get there early. There's um, tea and coffee. There's water. There's juice. You can sit down. You can probably read over your notes if you're anything like me, and just be relaxed so you're not rushing to get in there. But that's generally how it goes. The day is quite smooth, and once you're done, you're probably done at the same time every every other person that was in that group so everyone will come out at the same time and then you breathe and it's like oh my god did they ask you this i remember speaking to so many people after and nobody was sure of it nobody i didn't come out thinking i had definitely passed i didn't know if i'd failed but it's nice to talk to the other people when they come out and see what kind of questions they got you can kind of compare and then just say good luck and go home that's how it went for me were all these people waiting in the corridor or in the seating area for their turn? Or was it yes. a case that you wandered in, there was no one else there and you, you just went straight in? No, you do. Um, you go in and there's quite a few other people there. You'll know, you'll know who they are because everybody looks just scared as you are. And then when it's your time, I got there fairly early. So I was able just to wait around the corner. There was tea and coffee. And then you're called into the room because everybody has different interview slots. When you're called into that room, you're probably with about 20 other people and everyone's saying, I'm so nervous. I'm this, I'm that, I'm scared. You have a laminated card that has a number on. And then a worker that's there will come in and say, this group, please follow me. And then you know you're on the way to the interview room and it's about to get real. That's how it was. Yeah, it sounds kind of nerve wracking. Yeah. You've told us a lot of interesting things about the actual day, but what do you know now that you kind of wish you'd known before you went in? Because you've got all this host of stuff that we've, we've talked about, but there must be a couple of things that really stand out and go, that would have made life so much easier. If I go back to even before the interview process, even before you get a date and you're still doing your APC document, if I had just listened to the instructions from the beginning, I would urge everyone to start with their logbook and diary because that makes up part of your submission. If you start with your logbook and diary, you would run through all the projects that you've done since you started working or that's, I'm assuming, 
you're working before you do your APC. You would find so many projects that you've worked with that you could note down, put down which competencies they relate to, so that when you're doing the competencies, you have a range of uh, projects to talk about. I stupidly left my logbook and diary to the very end. So as I did my, as I filled out my logbook, or they call it diary, I'll just call it logbook. As you feel that, as I filled out my logbook, I had missed so many other projects that I could have spoken about in my submission. Thankfully, what I had done was okay because it passed. But you will find, you might go through the competencies and think you haven't got enough experience. But if you've been keeping a log of all that you that you've done, you will definitely have enough experience if you just remember what you have done. So that's my biggest, biggest regret is that if I could, if I didn't pass and I had gone back to do the submission again, I would always do my logbook first, see that I've done about 50 more projects that I could have spoken about and then build my competencies based on that. And in terms of the assessment, the actual assessment day, I think because I'd done my mock interviews, I was well prepared for what to expect. Nothing really came as a shock for me on that day because my team had prepared me so much. Okay, some excellent points there. Thank you. As we draw to a close, have you got any final advice to listeners? Yes, I would say you must dedicate time to the whole process. It's not something that you can rush and do. I've had people that have rushed, I've had friends that have kind of rushed it or maybe didn't put as much time into it and then haven't passed, not because they're not competent, just because they maybe didn't get the support or didn't have enough time. So firstly, dedicate time to it. You have to be really focused and you have to be consistent. It's really, there's going to be times when you're doing your your submission and you just think, oh, I can't do it. I don't have enough time. If you don't make the time for it and stay focused on it, you'll never have enough time. Because as you continue in your career, you're only going to be given more work. So unless you're planning to take two weeks off just to do your APC, which even then you want to space it out over enough time. You don't want to just cram and do it all in a week or two weeks. You want to do it over a few months. So be really consistent, apply yourself and be disciplined. Your social life isn't going to be the same when you're doing your APC. I, I was in the office, I think, a few times till about nine or 10. And then I also came in once on a Saturday to get it done. So you have to really just tell yourself, right, I'm going to do this and I'm going to pass or I'm at least going to submit my documents and see where it goes and I'm going to put my all into it. Keep the goal in mind. Remember that the goal is to get chartered. So remember, you're not doing it for fun but you're doing it to progress in your career. And don't procrastinate because it's very easy to say, to be fair, I should have actually been charted the year before, but I had put it off as well. And then I decided when I finally did it that I was not going to put it off for another six months because you will just keep on procrastinating. So don't do that. And also, if you don't pass the first time, it's okay. You can just dust yourself off and you can try again. You'll have feedback from your first time. Hopefully you'll have more help. You'll know where you kind of went wrong. It's not the end of the world. You can you can do it again. But mainly, anything you put your mind to, you can achieve. You just have to decide that I want to do this. I'm going to do this to the best of my ability. And you'll do it. As usual, some good, clear, articulate uh, thoughts there. Thank you very much for doing. You've been tuned into Cardo Martin's Building Surveying for Professionals podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you very much, Adiri, for joining us today. Thank you. And for sharing your experience and knowledge, which reveal even more secrets of the APC.